Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The camera cuts to a close-up shot of Dead Girl's face, then fades to black. You left her behind, reads the text, and she died. The words hang in the void on the screen for a moment more, but they too disappear. Our row of seats are utterly silent. No one breathes. A great rope of tension upon which the atmosphere is balanced grows tighter and tauter. Stretched terrifically and unnaturally. Guys, I want to say, it's time to go. Please, we need to leave but I cannot bring myself to do it. An irrational fear has taken a hold of me, one that claims that by doing so, I will single myself out. I will single myself out to screen zero, and I might as well draw a target across my face. So I remain motionless, staring, dead girl's pale blue eyes still burnt like ice into my mind. The screen lights up with the next commercial, and the cycle continues. The camera pans in on a long, low building, well-maintained and wildly out of place, nestled as it is amongst the squalid, run-down street of an unfamiliar city. A little jingle plays from the speakers, one which is wholly unremarkable, yet grotesquely upbeat. Had the jingle played on TV, in the friendly light of my living room, I doubt I would have even looked up from my phone. But here, played here in the darkness of screen zero, Followed by the quiet horror of an unexpected dead girl promo, it's sick. It makes my skin crawl. The camera draws us through the double doors of the building, then the doors beyond, and the place is revealed to be a restaurant of some kind. At first glance, it seems relatively normal. Deep scarlet decor, wealthy-looking patrons eating their meals at their tables. The air seems to ripple with heat, and it's as if I can actually smell the scents that the restaurant boasts. Rich porks, spices and meats. But the longer you look, the more you start to notice. It's all meat, for one thing. Every plate is piled high with ribs, with slabs of steak, sticky and leaking. As the camera travels through the restaurant and passes the patrons by, we hear their snorts and burps of gluttony. Their ravenous chomping and munching and grinding teeth we see the juices fly from their lips. And the patrons themselves, their skin, upon close inspection is covered in scales, some more flesh-coloured, some closer to grey. I grip the edges of my seat as one of the nearest patrons' bulging eyes swivels around in its sockets to regard the camera, the other staring at the plate of meat being lowered by the restaurant to their table. And she has three... The waitress has three eyes. One of the patrons, to my utter disgust, right near the back, it appears to be little more than an enormous beetle. They are lost to sight as the camera pushes through the doors to the kitchen, 
and my stomach twists and turns in bitter revulsion. A large woman stands proudly, hands clasped before her. Her skin is greyish and her eyes bulge out like the rest of them. Her neck is lost to rolls of several great chins. And when she opens her mouth in a grin, it reveals her rows of broken, sharpened teeth, far sharper than teeth have any right to be. She speaks about a grand reopening, but I struggle to pay attention to her words. I cannot tear my focus away from what I see beyond her, in amongst the chefs. It's human corpses. Many are without heads and without limbs, sizzling away behind the counter, dripping succulents as they are turned on their spits, bubbling and steaming on the grills. My mouth fills with pre-vomit saliva and I have to force the sensation away. I watch a chef bring down his blade and slice the fingertips from a hand of a severed arm. Only the finest, the woman finishes, farm-raised and locally sourced. And the screen cuts to a card of deep burnt red, now hiring, it reads across in gold, with its terms and conditions and small print along the bottom. There is no time to read it, however, before the commercial ends, and we are plunged back into the cool darkness of the theatre. Speak, Ali. Speak. Say something. I summon from within every ounce of will I can find. Lenny, I whisper to my right, in a voice that shakes and is barely audible. Lenny, what do we do? He hears me, I know it, but he doesn't respond. His knuckles are white against the armrest. The next commercial plays. It's her again. It's the dead girl. The exact same scene as before. The silent and empty movie theatre. The cold and staring lifeless eyes. The frost-tipped seats and the edge of snow in the rising wind. Please, I beg silently. Please make it stop. But the trailer plays on if anything a little slower than it did before. The camera rotates to meet her blind gaze. It holds onto the close-up of her face, then cuts out once again. You left her behind, and she died, reads the text. The screen changes. I can't take much more of this. We made a mistake coming down here tonight. A real horrible mistake. This is much worse than it's supposed to be. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A loud and clown-like laugh bursts from the speakers as the pictures on screen light up in a myriad of sickly, artificially enhanced colours. Wow! 
says the little girl as the camera zooms in on her face, then down to her hand. We are shown a pair of ancient dice sitting in the centre of her palm. They are carved from thick and deep red-brown wood. They're quite obviously out of place in their cartoonish, exaggerated surroundings. The girl gleefully throws the dice through the air, and the boy catches them in his fist. Another series of zooms and close-ups. There's a whole group of them now, all kids, all looking at the dice and dressed in bright primary colours. Hey kids, comes a despotted voice, and the children look up at the screen, smiles wide. Yeah, they reply as one. Are you feeling lucky? They cheer and clap in response as a jaunty xylophone pop tune bubbles away in the background. Make a wish and give them a roll. Just keep them close and watch your soul, sings the voice merrily. I wish for ice cream, says the boy, and he crouches to roll the dice across the ground. The camera follows their movements with exaggerated angles and quick changing close-ups. The dice land heavily on a four and a three. The camera suddenly swivels and the colours are temporarily blurred. The focus shifts to the street and an ice cream truck skids to a stop by the front lawn. Hey, calls the driver, adjusting his cap. What do you know? My freezer's just gone and broke. You kids want any ice cream before it melts? The camera shifts to a POV of the ice cream men as the cheering kids run the length of the grass for their free cones. He starts to hand them down to the jumping, bubbly children. All except for the boy who actually rolled the dice. He is not in the camera's focus, but he can be seen in the background, withering and screaming in the grass. The others have left him behind. He cries out in pain as red cuts and fresh scars start slicing their way through his bare skin, as if marked by an invisible blade. He screams are lost beneath the music. The camera shows us a close-up of the dice, still on the grass, and another girl picks them up. She looks into the camera with a smile, ice cream cone slowly starting to drip in her other hand. I'm so sick of my mum, she exclaims with a grin. I wish she was dead. A laugh track plays and the screen cuts to black. The commercial ends. Jesus, it's so cold here, I think to myself shivering. Since when has screen zero been so cold? This is hell. I'm trapped in a nightmare here. We have to go. We have to go. But nobody moves. Nobody moves and the watch party continues. The screen bathes the seats in front in a soft yellow light. It shows us yet another movie theatre, one like ours, more or less empty, and occupied by only a handful of guests sat right in the very centre. For one very terrible long moment, I think that it is us. That screen zero is showing us footage of ourselves. There's Lenny, sat in the middle. I tense right up, but no, no, it isn't us. The people on screen are smiling. They are laughing, but they're talking in low voices. I have to examine them closely, but the teenager in the middle is not Lenny. Similar for sure, but the bone structure is slightly different. His hair is lighter. Lenny, someone whispers to my right. Lenny, isn't that your dad? Lenny again does not respond. Could it be? I think. Could that be Lenny's dad, back when he was young? 
There are five of them in the group, four guys and one girl. The girl alone stops laughing. She quietly disengages with the group and looks slowly up at the camera, her bright blue eyes glittering a little green in the yellowish light. I swallow a sharp intake of air. It's her. It's fucking her. It's the dead girl. But I have no time to process the implications of this realisation before the scene cuts out yet again. A white message flashes up in the black. The following trailers are appropriate for the rating of this film. Then it disappears. The text is replaced by a title card for a movie that does not exist. It's called Broken and Rebuilt from a Skeleton, rated NC-17. The day began as any other, says the narrative voice of a young woman as the scene fades in. It's fall in New England. She's locking up the front door of her little house and heading down the street, drawing her coat around her shoulders against the breeze. When, without even a word of warning, everything changed. The woman steps into a thin but wide cluster of orange-red leaves and she stumbles. She trips and falls right through. She falls through the leaves as if they were water and she disappears from sight. The camera shakes and we see her panicked. She is falling through a tunnel, the leaves blowing around her body. The leaves fly past the camera and they are replaced by great webs and hordes of spindly spiders, watching her fall with their hungry green eyes. A close-up is played of a pair of fangs, tearing into the back of her hand, ripping off a slither of flesh with bursts of blood. The woman screams and twists. As she falls through the tunnel, she is caught by the strings of a great web, one which promptly snaps her neck. The camera holds its position and the spiders draw in. Leave her alone, calls out a voice, and a flash of light encompasses the screen. The screen fades in slow and we see the woman in a childhood bedroom. Metal bars can be seen protruding from her neck, connecting her head to her shoulders. She raises her arm with an accompanying mechanical whirl and the camera zooms into the back of her head, through her hair, as she rises to a robotic stand. There is a spider, hidden in a crevice he's built in the back of her skull, tugging on wires and little metal wheels with its many legs. I will fix you, he whispers. You're safe with me. Dramatic classical music plays over the speakers, and the audience is granted several wide panning shots of New England cities and landscapes. We see the woman being harassed on the bus by a group of teenagers. We see her lose her hand as she tries to brush her teeth with a cluster of bolts and gears. She never reacts, only stares emotionlessly ahead. We see her standing at the side of the bridge in the rain, and we see the spider eating its way through the corpse of a rat. It cuts abruptly to black with a beat of a drum. Coming soon. Darkness. Lenny, I whisper. We need to go, man. We need to go before... Before the trailer of Dead Girl plays, I meant to say, because I know that it will be different this time. It will be different for the worse. I cannot bring myself to say the words. I cannot do it. The weight of the environment forces me back into a strained silence, and the trailers play on. Cornfield, this one is called. Rated R. 
And sure enough, the opening shot is one of a cornfield, golden green, shifting and stirring in the gentle breeze. The camera remains fixed in place as a rumbling rises in the speakers, reverberating through the seats and the floor, and the corn starts to shake a little more violently. The sound of heavy scuttling and low grinding and clicking becomes clear amongst the rumble. And just when I can take the growing tension no more, a colossal centipede creeps into view in the distance. It's massive and unearthly, and it winds its way through the corn, ever scanning for its most rewarding root with its lightless black eyes. It tears the corn from its stems with its pinches and chews it up as it scuttles up close and right across the view of the camera, shaking it a little as it does so. Release summer, flashes the text across the corn backdrop. There's a date beside it, but the numbers are scrambled. It cuts to black and the next trailer plays. And we are too late. It is time it would seem to pay the price for our inaction. My heart pounds loud and hard in my chest, as if it was trying to burst free. As if it was trying to escape from this terrible place. You left her behind and she died. Rated NC-17. No, someone murmurs to my left, but there is nothing we can do now but watch. We may as well be bound in our seats. It opens on that all-too-familiar theatre complex. The dark rows of seats cast under a cold blue light. I shiver. The temperature drops. The camera movements remain the same, but... But she's not there. The dead girl is nowhere to be seen. Despite the icy chill in the air, the beads of sweat across my neck and shoulders begin to leak down my back. The ground shakes. The wind rises and the snow starts to fall. Whether it falls on screen or in real life all around us here in screen zero, I could not say. I cannot look away. There is no way I could look away. The seats are tipped with frost. The camera reveals those same wrecked walls, that swirling snowy mist beyond, but dead girl's seat, it's empty. A sudden and biting fear, terrible beyond words, strikes hard and holds me tight in its jaw. She's here in screen zero, I realise in panic. She's in one of the seats behind us. She's right behind us at this exact moment. Does everyone have this same thought simultaneously? Is it one that we all share? Because Lenny speaks now. His voice is low but loud as our hair is whipped back from our heads. The wind is ice and it blows with the force of a gale. Don't turn around, he commands, as the rushing force of a hurricane blows in my ears. Don't turn around, she isn't there, she can't be. It's a scream, nothing more, just don't turn around. The voice of a girl, impossibly loud and painfully shrill, screams in fury from the speakers, forcing them into crackling and sparking disrepair. You left her behind. You left her behind in the wastes. How could you? How could you leave her behind? It wasn't me, Lenny shouts in defence. I swear it. You left her behind, screams a response with the force of a barreling storm. You left her behind. With a final piercing shriek and a roar that rumbles the foundations of the building, we are pressed back into our seats and forced to close our eyes tight shut 
against a burst of the iciest wind I've ever felt. I can feel the sting of it on my cheeks, on my ears. I feel the torrent of snow and sleet against my skin. I feel it. But when the gust has passed and we're able to open our eyes once again, the screen is just as it was. There is no frost, no snow, no wind. The screen is black and the speakers are quiet. There is silence. And something happens that never has happened before. Not to my knowledge, at least. The trailers, to my dismay, come to an end. This isn't supposed to happen. None of this is supposed to happen. Did we push our luck too far? Did we push screen zero beyond its limits? The director's title card appears. It tells us the name of the film. The name of screen zero's elusive film. It's called The Waste, An Interactive Journey. Unrated. The sense of dread that overcomes me as the picture fades gradually in from the black is like nothing I have ever experienced, nor have I ever experienced since. As it washes over me, I feel like I am drowning. I am drowning down here in the dark of screen zero. A lone violin plays softly and sadly through the speakers, and the camera begins a long, slow pan across a barren field of rock and snow. As far as the eye can see, from grey horizon to grey horizon, it's empty space. Ruined columns of snow and vast flat plains of white. A pack of wolves appear from behind a stone. They pad towards the camera, and as they draw closer, their forms become clearer. They are headed right for the camera. They are looking right through it. They are looking right through the screen. And to my horror, I recognise them. I recognise each and every wolf. Because they are us. They are the group of guys that sit beside me, myself included. Our skin and bodies and faces stretched nightmarishly over skeletons of wolves, eyes aglow. There is me, padding through the snow. Lenny is beside me. He pulls back the lips of his twisted human wolf jaw and snarls then snaps and that's it. That's the end of it. The trigger. Lenny, the real Lenny, springs up from his seat with a scream. It is the catalyst that we are so desperately needed, and the dominoes fall as fast as a blink. The entire group is on their feet in an instant, in the throes of panic, shouting and swearing and pushing and clamouring for the exit. Back we run. Back we run past the seats and up the aisle in the dark as the wolves snap and snarl at our heels. Back we push through the heavy double doors, back through the corridor and back up those narrow backroom stairs, back into the scarlet corridor of the lobby, with bloodshot eyes and drenched in sweat, and back we stumble around the corners and into the theatre's main lobby, terrified, drained, but safe, safe and alive. That was one of the worst nights of my life. Lenny quit the following day and has stopped responding to my messages. I'm still an employee. I need the money. But I called out sick and used a great many of my off days in the following weeks. And I'll be damned if I'm ever heading back down to screen zero. Fuck that. Never again. Because as if all of that wasn't bad enough, there is still something I haven't yet mentioned. Something we saw at the very end of our experience. And every time I find myself dwelling in curiosity of the meaning behind the movie... 
behind the waste and interactive experience, behind the appearance of the dead girl and of supposedly Lenny's father and all the rest. I think of what I saw on the way out. As we pushed and shoved our way through the shadows of screen zero to the exit, there was something new on the wall. Something changed. Something that could only have been put up by hand, by a physical presence in the theatre. It was a poster affixed to the wall. One that was not there when we went in, I am sure of it. It was a poster for, you left her behind and she died. It was blue and cold, and showed in the lower half the head and shoulders of the dead girl, staring out at nothing with those lifeless eyes. Above her, retreating into the distance, were row after row of theatre seats, all tipped in frost. And at the very back, at the very back of the poster, were a chaotic group of human-shaped shadows, pushing and shoving and sprinting their way through the swirling mists. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm-hmm. 